What up, my Hanyaks? Hopefully you had a good week. Welcome back to the Rambling Viking podcast. Should have a pretty fun show for you guys. And something that wasn't in my notes, but I got to kick off with this high-level move, Super Chad move right here. So uh, I don't know who this guy is, but he plays for PSG, so it's a soccer player. So, you know, any of you soccer haters out there, feel free to tune out right here. But maybe stay tuned in because... Put that aside. It's not about the sport he plays. It's about this ultimate finesse move of him maybe thinking that uh, his wife wasn't in it for the right reasons. And uh, so taking the appropriate steps. So uh, I'm probably not going to say his name right. Akraf Hakimi's wife filed for divorce and demanded half of his property, as is the norm, right? But she was informed by the court that her millionaire husband actually owns nothing, as all his property is registered under his mom's name. Hakimi receives $1 million million a month salary, but 80% of this is deposited into his mother's account. He has no property, cars, houses, jewelry, or even clothes in his name. Anytime he wants anything, he asks his mom who buys it for him. Dude, that is big brain moves right there. Obviously, we can talk on serious notes of how I'm like, I don't, there's certain issues with that in general. But in terms of the gold digger, divorce, you take half your stuff type moves, you know, oh, I can't get you to sign a prenup. That's fine. Which, incredible. Just incredible, honestly. Dude is big brain thinking. And I mean, she probably shouldn't have married the girl in the first place, but in the case that you do, do something like that. He's like, yo, you can't come for my stuff because I don't have any of it. That is so next level. So that's for Connor. That's crafty. That's that is crafty right there. Um, and we're not going to get into the obvious issues of like, should they have been married in the first place? And if you didn't trust her enough that you did that move, and maybe it wasn't a thing about trust. Maybe he just truly was like, nah, I don't want any of this stuff. I want my mom to have it. And, or maybe he's just that wise about it. Like, I'm, I'm a big footballer. Yeah, it seems real. But then, you know, you never know. That's the sad thing, right? Like, I, if I, if I were to say, step into, step into a position, you know, as prominent as that single dude, how do you even navigate? How do you navigate finding, truly finding someone? Well, the fact that she didn't know this goes to tell you that, I mean, she wasn't paying close enough attention. She didn't pry. And he obviously didn't inform her of this because she would have not been happy. She might've left him sooner. Who knows? But I I definitely think the best way to go about finding a good relationship in light of being a celebrity has to be like, dude, you better, you need, you need to find someone before you're famous, essentially, if for the best possible chance of success. And that's just a hard, hard truth about it. Because once you get to that level, it's only good as long as the money's good, right? And then, or when I'm done with you, ready to move on, I'm going to take half your stuff for doing zero part of the work. And 
which is still wild to me. Like, I, when I look at that, here's the thought, right? Okay. I mean, I get it. We still live in a traditional, I'm not against this kind of patriarchal thing of like, because the roots of the divorce law are essentially, are essentially in our, you know, a patriarchal history, meaning men take care of the women, women have the babies, take care of the home. And so if a man and a woman get divorced, you know, that the man is the provider. And so they, despite your divorce, it's like, that's why the woman gets half the stuff. I mean, obviously you're married too, but the wife gets half the stuff because you guys split everything. You're jointly married. Right. But for me, it's like, all right, if things just don't work out, it's a, it's a no fault divorce essentially. And the woman initiates it, you forfeit. Like if you're just like, I just want out. Okay. Well you, you don't get, you don't get half the stuff anymore. Plain and simple. And that would help this gold digger situation. And, you know, and it could be considered different, too, if there was infidelity on the man's part. And it's like, no, he cheated on me. I got to leave him. Okay, you should definitely get half the stuff then. And I'm not a big fan of, like, well, you know, she gets half of his stuff and she did nothing for it. It's like, you and your marriage, you start sharing everything. Like, you become one, at least traditionally speaking. And I know doesn't carry that weight anymore but i just i just thought that story was epic was an epic finesse and it's a meme on facebook who knows if it's actually true but i'm gonna believe it at least for now go research it okay next just got a few notes for you today should be short short and simple nice and sweet fantastic i like to move it move it well, really first up on the docket, but now second because of that story is, this is maybe a couple of weeks old now, but I heard something, I was listening to just a morning news where they just give you little snippets, and apparently the Biden administration, which I can't even in good conscience call it that because it's, he's the front man, he's like the guy who owns the mattress firm for the cartel, but the cartel's really footing all that money for that mattress firm, you know what I'm talking about? If you know, you know. But apparently the Biden admin wants to find a way to use Title IX, that's right, the anti-discrimination for women uh, law as it relates to sports, meaning women equality, establishing equality for men and women in sports, essentially, and distinctions between that. They want to use Title IX to prevent discrimination against trans athletes in women's sports. So, for those of you... Just to just to say that in plain terms, they want to use the thing that keeps women's sports equal on an equal playing field and separate from men's and just from men taking over women's sports. They want to use the thing that does that to allow men in women's sports. Folks, we are in the upside down. Here we go. Use the thing that's supposed to protect against that to do that. Now, do I think it's going to work? Man, it's some serious legal and mental gymnastics. But So no. But am I scared that if you have the right people in place and the right activist judges in place, that they could somehow make some stupid arguments? I mean, because looking back, that's what Roe was. Like You're extrapolating these kooky meanings. You're... It's eisegesis. To, to use my Christianese here, right? Exegesis is where you, where you take the text and you take what it says. And you flesh it out. Eisegesis is where you have an idea, like Christianity affirms homosexuality, and then you 
then you try then you and then you take a text and you try and make it fit your idea. And that's that's essentially what it's become with reading Constitution Declaration, all that good stuff. So it's kind of silly. But yeah, I heard that. So get excited for that as that ramp up ramps up. And then well and I've actually heard more about that recently too. They're trying to where they're trying to institute it federally where you can't wholesale ban trans athletes from competing in women's sports. It has to be like individual case by case. You can't just say, Hey, no trans athletes. And specifically, most importantly, this is talking from, this is talking men playing in women's sports here. And the federal government is trying to say States, you can't do, you can't just wholesale ban that, which this will be a fun fight, but yes, you can, because you have to take it case by case where I don't, no, no, no. If you're a woman, Play women's sports. If you're a man, you play men's sports. Simple as that. Leave me alone. Next. So we experienced, we technically don't have health insurance. We have a health sharing plan. So if you're familiar with that, it's not health insurance, but it's health sharing. And so we, we, it, it operates the same, but basically it's not traditional insurance. Well, it's not even technically health insurance because there's codes and guidelines, but it, it, it does the same thing. But in a lot of things we do, we technically qualify as private pay if they're not covered. So for example, my wife went and had something done, got the bill, it was $500 and we're like, good night. And for some simple lab work, but then we, after we had to make a few calls, we got it sorted out. And basically the lab was like, oh, so we coded you as private pay. So you only owe 199 and yeah, $200 is still expensive, but it's uh, you know cheaper than 500 and so I <laughs> but it got me thinking about and then I and then I happened to hear a clip on Joe Rogan and this one guy talking about the healthcare system. But it got me thinking and there's been a few instances like that where when you have like say when you do some type of health sharing company instead, you technically are private pay. And private pay is its own in its own a discount. But I, and this is just my opinion here based on what I've seen personally and, and anecdotally, but from my personal experience, I'm going to venture to say that for, now this is excluding probably, this is definitely excluding like big, big, big stuff. But for a lot of stuff, I don't think health insurance really saves you that much money. And I've talked about this before because it's a racket behind closed doors. The simple fact you can't go to your doctor and say, how much does this cost? And they say it costs $200. They can't tell you. They say, well, what's your insurance? And then we send it to insurance. We negotiate with them. And then we tell you how much you pay a couple weeks later. Anytime it's backdoor deals like that, it's always worse. And essentially, and if anyone's in the game and understands this better than me, but my understanding is essentially insurance decides what they'll cover and how much they'll cover. And the hospitals then look at that and they negotiate with them and build networks and whatnot. But essentially, if insurance says we'll cover up to $500, the hospital, guess what this thing now costs? $500. And then, you know, they cover 80% of that. Okay. Okay. Then you pay whatever that is. You know, you pay a couple hundred bucks or, you know, they'll, they, they cover 50% of that or whatever. You know, so you pay 120 bucks. I would be willing to bet that a lot of times if you went in and went private pay, you would pay about the same out of pocket. 
because prices are so jacked up and crazy because insurance companies are basically willing to pay that. And unless you, you know, are hitting your deductible hardcore and so you don't have to pay anything else out of pocket or you've got a super, you know, low deductible, but like if you've got a pretty normal or even high deductible and you're out here, you have to pay up to that point before insurance starts to cover anything and you're paying hundreds of dollars a month for this. My question becomes, at what point is this no longer beneficial to me? Like if I just didn't have this insurance or had a coverage that was only in like serious emergencies. So that would cover me for like meta flights. And if I go into the emergency room or, you know, having to have emergency surgery or major surgery that would cost me, that would realistically would cost in the tens of thousands of dollars. And I would need that coverage outside of that. Why would I use it for my basic day-to-day needs? Because so far my experiences with me and then just people I've known, they go in and they say they're self-pay and, you know, go to the dentist. Oh, it's $350 self-pay. That's $127. Like, yeah, you still got to pay, but then a lot of times you'd be paying that same amount, but just through insurance and you wouldn't even know until way after the fact. And the proof is in the pudding and the simple fact of when you tell them your private pay, they instantly have a price for you because why? Because that price is essentially based on free market principles, essentially like, oh, someone coming, they're willing to pay us directly right now for this. So we're going to we're, we're going to charge them closer to really what it costs. And sometimes it's not true. You know, it could be a $30 worth of stuff and work. Um, but if it takes an hour and then that's, you know, like parts and labor in a car, essentially, you're, you're a car. Congratulations. Uh, even then, say it's, a, say it's something that costs them $50. But through insurance, they normally charge you $450 because insurance is willing to pay out that much. But then insurance covers most of it, and then you end up owing 150 or 100 bucks. Or you go in and you say, I'm self pay, and they say, Yeah, it's 100 or 100 to 150 bucks, right? 127 is what I said, right? Say it's 127. Or say it's a, and maybe it's like a $10 difference between insurance and private pay. At this point, I'm looking at this and saying, This math doesn't make sense. In short, our healthcare system is jacked up. And no, I, most time when this conversation comes up, this is what happened. Our health insurance system is broken. This is why we need universal health care. And sorry to, no, I'm not sorry about that. And that's, that is the solution. I see this as a fork in the road. Essentially, we're kind of, we're kind of between two masters right now. We have a ton of, so we really do have a lot of socialized uh, medicine. And then, but we still kind of have private free market stuff, but it's kind of become a racket because those two, we're trying to do both at once. And it needs to be either or not both hand. So it's either, yeah, we go to single payer type system type stuff. Now, everyone likes to point at Canada because everyone gets care. But at the same time, you got wait lines and quality of care questions come up. And I don't like that, right? I don't like, I, I would, I'm a fan of, any, competition makes everything better. It does. I'm sorry. Because when two companies are having to always compete for your business, they are going to find the best deals. Yes, they're going to make money, but they're going to try and work it and, and, and work things so that you ben- actually benefit, right? And the way it's set up, it doesn't happen right now. We need price transparency. I should be able to go in and know exactly how much everything costs. I shouldn't have to wait and see and deal with all this outer network, in network stuff. It should just be plain and simple, right? And so it's like we need to... We, we either need to go to universal health care or we need to go to 
free market. I'm obviously a fan of free market and I'm fine with even the option of I just pay you the doctor's office directly. Because, and forget the middleman because the middleman has to get paid. And so he's going to get paid one way or the other. And it's a, it's a headache. It's paperwork for everyone. I can tell you right now, I, I would assume that doctors like it better if you just walk in and say, and say we're private pay. And they say, okay, this is 120 bucks. You pay them 120 bucks. Boom, that's money straight in their pocket. Everyone wins except the insurance company. But I've become a real cynic about insurance personally, car insurance and things like that. It's become more of, it's become more of a racket than, than, than a help, I think. Because it's more about, like, I think there's a ton of money. Because there's people, they're in the insurance business, and they make a ton of money. And it's real big. I mean, shoot, look at the State Farm commercials. Why is there so much money in insurance? Well, because people need their stuff protected. But has it kind of gotten away from the original intent here? I think so. Having to deal with some car insurance a few times, it is how can we not have to pay this completely out when it should be, I'm putting money in a pot here, paying you to cover me for this. This happens. Okay, cool. I get fraud as a real thing, but there's a difference between, all right, we just got to make sure that there's no fraud, no, no, no funny business versus, oh, you didn't give proper lookout because in my phone call, when you're filing the claim, you said, I thought it was clear, not it was clear. And then you went to go. And I can judge that over the phone based on the words you said. True story. Happened to my wife. She went from, we went from having 100% of her damage covered on her car in an accident that was not her fault at all. Someone didn't yield on the green light at a stoplight and they tried to gun it and speed and go in front of them and she clipped their back in. I remember talking to the insurance agent. She said, well, based on where they hit them, she could have avoided if this or that. And I'm like, who's to say your client didn't, didn't pedal to the metal who is completely at fault, not yielding at all. And now we're going to somehow twist that and say, well, you need to be ready for. So you're saying I should always assume that every driver is going to break the rules. I should never trust a red light and I should sit there and wait and make sure and spend 10 seconds at this green light. Like I get, I get defensive driving, but when someone blatantly breaks a rule on the road, like, like that, you you, you are turning in front of me illegally when you should not. Which this definitely happened, and this person probably wasn't paying attention. But then it's your fault. I'm sorry. I'm like, I'm sorry. Like, light's green. I'm going. I have zero expectation. You should turn. We're all on the same page here. And then all of a sudden, you break the rules. It's like, in, it's like, it's like if you tackled me in a game of basketball in the middle of a game. Be like, well, you should have seen him coming and should have dodged it. You don't tackle in basketball, homie. But anyways, that went from having 100% covered to 80% covered. We were 20% at fault. Because one little thing, one little hiccup. Nightmare. You tell me. It's gone too far, gotten out of hand. I think it has. That's me personally. Sorry if you're insurance. I don't hate insurance. I just don't like the point that it's come to. And no, here, and here's, here's where my limited government mind has some serious cognitive dissonance. How do we fix this? Is it regulation? Is it deregulation? Is it cutting back? I don't know. I don't know the exact solution. I know transparency. And yeah, transparency. And maybe some regulation. Who knows? Because it's like the whole internet provider thing. They all basically agree to like, all right, this is my territory. Cox, you're going to be over there. Um, 
Xfinity, you're going to be over there. Comcast, you're over there. And they're like, all right, cool. We got our own areas. And they don't infringe on each other's territory. And so in a lot of places, they essentially have a monopoly. It's like, wait a minute. So there's just localized monopolies. And I'm like, no, no, no. Everyone should be be available to be everywhere. And don't agree to play not. Go in there. Compete. It's good for everyone. But here we go on my rants and tangents. Next. Last but not least, wanted to uh, do something special for my wife, so we went to Waffle House a couple weekends ago before you think, wow, you guys are so trashy. Well, first of all, thank you, and second of all, maybe. But really, uh, we just, who doesn't have a, you know, kind of a fond, fond place in their heart? Like a special, Waffle House is a special place, or, or, or maybe it's not Waffle House for you. Maybe it's, there's something, right? Church's chicken or something like that. I don't know. But Waffle House... It's just an experience. It's a thing, right? I remember back in college, my first time going, you went, you know, it was like six bucks and it got you the all-star breakfast, came with a waffle, eggs, bacon, hash browns, like all that stuff and toast. I was like, holy crap. And they make it all right there. And it's a lot of fun. So we went. So we like to occasionally try and go for breakfast. My wife likes it and go to Waffle House. It's kind of a fun thing. We go. I look on the menu and I'm like, what happened? Everything is like 10 bucks per person. I used to be able to get like the all-star. This is maybe, well, no, shoot, six, seven years ago now, I guess. You know, it was like six bucks, five bucks for a lot of stuff. And now it's like the all-star is like 10.99 or something. I was like, golly, you know, inflation is real when Waffle House the the average per plate cost is like ten is around ten bucks at Waffle House. Ay ay ay! What a nightmare. Like ten bucks used to be my go to, right? Like, all right, I can go get something for ten bucks. It's cool. Like my other way that I've tracked inflation has been Qdoba because once upon a time their burritos were like either just under when I first started going there, maybe just under, just right at eight bucks. Now it's nine something. So they they've handled it pretty all right but you know pretty soon it'll be over 10 bucks and it's fine it is what it is but what random thing for you what random item has been like your wake up to inflation your your wake up to the most recent inflation where you you go to get some random little thing that you know you're used to getting for whatever price and all of a sudden you're like what the why is this costing me so much more? You know, and granted, it's ten bucks still, but it's only ten bucks. But it's Waffle House. That's my response. Like, and I, I remember looking at there. They brought us, you know, some butter spread with our waffles. And I and I'm I now look at labels since I'm in carnivore because that's the thing that I do. Because more so out of curiosity, but sometimes out of like, oh, I'm not eating that. But it's crazy to see how much stuff is fake. I look at this, and there, this thing is. The the four ingredients were all different kinds of you know canola, sunflower, safflower, Oreo, or whatever. It was it was a, it was one billion percent of vegetable spread. And they're like, here, let me bring you some butter. Look, it's one thing I get it. It's cheap. It's Waffle House, and I expect fake butter. But at least be like, let me give you some butter spread. So give the impression. Give me the impression that. Okay, we know why you're here. This isn't 100% butter. Uh, because we're Waffle House. And if our meals are 10 bucks, we definitely can't afford to give you real butter. If, if we are having to charge that much. So 
Yeah. Or if you have a good Waffle House story, let me know. But one, what, what item price increase, what random price increase has like, was your, oh my, inflation is real moment. That's what I want to know. So anyways, that'll do it for this Friday edition of the Rambling Viking podcast. Looking forward to hopefully getting some guests on real soon. Remember, if you want to come sit second chair, or if you just want to come chit chat, you got some cool story to tell, something to talk about that you're doing, that you're big on, let me know. Love to sit down and talk to you guys. And I think these things are always better with more people. Tomorrow is Walk MS. If you want to go and donate to uh, Connor, his team, and donate to help supporting this mission to help all those with MS, it is a serious, serious disease. And I had some friends who like, their family members had it growing up and I didn't really know much about it. I knew mobility was an issue and now one of my best friends has it. It's very real. So yeah, we'll be there though. Walking hard with Connor. See if we can get this dang mile in. I believe in you, bro. As long as it's not too hot though. It's hot today. I'm a little worried it might be hot tomorrow. We'll see. We'll see. Anyways, I want to know any and all of your thoughts from today's episode. I want to know what you're up to, what you're looking forward to, what you want to hear on the podcast. Would love to hear it all. So please, as always, you can send in a voice message. You can message me personally. You can message the show. But follow us on Instagram and Facebook. It's Ramsey Viking Podcast. Also follow Blessings from Tragedy. There's a new episode today. Well, new old episode. But it's uh, Nicole talking about overcoming her eating disorder. Wild. Crazy story. And the 180 that has happened in her life is incredible. I can't say enough about it, but that'll do it for me. Go have a great weekend, guys. Hopefully you had a great week and that'll do it for this episode of the show. We will see you here next time. This is your head, Hanyok, signing off.